Welcome to Table Talk, the podcast that takes an in-depth look at the dynamic and exciting restaurant world. We sit down with industry leaders as they share best practices, highlight smart solutions, and discuss strategies for growth, ultimately helping food service operators learn how to affect positive change and grow their business. Now, here is your host, editor and publisher of Food Service and Hospitality Magazine, Rosanna Kyra. This morning, it's my pleasure to welcome the two entrepreneurs behind the Kitchen Hub concept to our Table Talk podcast. First up is Adam Armeland, co-founder and CEO of Kitchen Hub, Canada's first virtual food hall. Prior to co-founding Kitchen Hub, Adam practiced corporate law beginning his career at Torque & Manis, LLP, followed by stints at both McCarthy Tetro and Ivanhoe Cambridge. Next up is Oren Borovich, co-founder and COO. Prior to founding Kitchen Hub, Oren was an early employee at DoorDash, where he managed restaurant strategy and operations. Oren grew up in the food service industry, working for and managing his family's food service businesses. Oren is passionate about helping restaurant operators succeed in the digital economy. Good morning, gentlemen, and welcome to Table Talk. Good morning. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. Well, it's my pleasure, and uh, it's been a long time since I spoke to you, Oren. Um, we were saying earlier, I guess it was at the beginning of the pandemic, and uh, you know, who would have expected then when we spoke back then that we would still be in the pandemic two years later? So it's, it's pretty crazy. It's amazing how time flies, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, even when you're not having fun. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So my my first question today is really what brought a lawyer and someone who grew up in the food service industry together to co-found a ghost kitchen concept? That's a, that's a really funny question. It's actually, um, we have uh, a third founder and his name's uh, Matt Abramsky. So he heads, he heads up uh, real estate and and acts as our CFO. Um, He was a mutual friend of ours and introduced us um, uh, because we both approached them with a similar idea. So uh, it started off with a probably a couple hour long conversation and butted into a, a really great working relationship. So, uh, you know, approaching it from, from a couple different angles, but ultimately from the fact that we're dads that fell in love with convenience of takeout and quote unquote cooking for our families. And uh, it started to dawn on us that convenience was being outweighed by the fact that there wasn't that consistent quality. There wasn't the care. There wasn't a, a interesting collection of, of uh, availability available all in one order. And that's really what inspired us to go create Kitchen Hub. It's how do you change the game and create that unbelievable experience and, and you know what we're calling Takeout 2.0. Really rethink the way that food's consumed at home. It's not just a, a doggy bag that, that happens to be delivered to your house. It's, a, it's an experience that people want to have in their homes. And it's a trend that happened before the pandemic and it continues on today. So, I mean, you're really the right demographic for this, obviously. And with your <laughs> knowledge of tech and digital, it, it makes it a perfect marriage, it sounds like. And, and you left, obviously, a lucrative field of law to join this. So uh, there must have been a huge wide appeal for you. Or, or were you just tired with law or how, how did that precipitate? No, if you if you uh, if you were to talk to my wife, she would always uh, she would always tell me that I was meant to go do something else. Um, and I do have a passion for uh, making people's lives better. And honestly, it's it's one of those opportunities where you saw it in your own life 
um, you know, taking that takeout order, it's missing an item, it comes cold, it, does, it doesn't do what you actually want it to do. And we are seeing that again, time and time again, and saw that huge opportunity to go and fix that for people. So um, like you said, no better partner than to do it with Oren, who has tons of industry experience there. Uh, but I'll let him talk about, about that on, on his own. Sure. And, and Oren, um, I mean, tell us a little bit about the whole concept of Kitchen Hub. I mean, we've all heard about ghost kitchens in the last few years. It's really funny how um, the timing, the trajectory of ghost kitchens has really taken off through the pandemic, as you mentioned, Adam. Um, but when did you actually start the company? It was before the pandemic, right? Right. So um, I'd say, I guess it's about three years back now that Adam and I started chatting about this, this opportunity and very quickly started building and, and um, thinking about what the solution was going to be. Um, and so that that solution um, turned out to be a virtual food hall that was bringing together a collection of incredible restaurants that um, you know were highly sought after and in areas that um, were closer to people's homes versus closer mm -hmm. to people's work or where they would go out on a Saturday night. Right. Um, and uh, so, you know, we came together with this idea for a facility um, that would house all of these restaurants and would focus specifically on takeout and delivery. Um, and um, what comes out of that is an opportunity for people to order with the consumer, you know, being at home and wanting a great experience um, and also the different needs in the home. One person wants, you know, burgers, one person wants Thai, one, the kids, the kids can, you know, only like pizza. Um, and so, you know, giving consumers an opportunity to order all of that on one order. So we also, on top of the facility, spun up kitchenhub.com where consumers can come in and they can order from all of the different brands. Um, and like you said, um, we started this before the pandemic. Uh, we ran it for about a month and then the pandemic hit. Um, you can imagine two business, three business owners um, really really trying to figure out what, what does that mean for their business? turns out, you know, home became the most important place. So, right. um, you know, even better for the business in some ways. Um, and on top of that, restaurants now focusing on takeout uh, way more than they would have done before. So the quality has just come up in immensely. So, so when I look at the marketplace, um, obviously, I think the U.S. is always a little ahead of us in Canada in terms of when they start their trends. And, and we kind of follow suit sometimes five years later or so. But when I look at um, uh, the U.S. experience, it's a lot more pronounced in the U.S. market, ghost kitchens. But in Canada, we're starting to catch up. How would you compare the two countries in terms of where they're at with the kitchen, uh, with the ghost kitchen experience? It, it's 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 interesting. You have a lot of players in the states that are are obviously making a lot of noise, and um, you know we've gone down and seen all their facilities and talked with all the owners, and, and we actually communicate with them on a regular basis. And um, it's a pretty symbiotic relationship that we have with everybody there. Um, we've actually given them a lot of ideas that have gone down really? to the states, and they've given us a lot of ideas that we've implemented here. And what I can say is we're there, there may be some, some have more locations than others, but everybody's in the infancy of what this actually means. Um, it's, it's taking, it really is taking an industry and trying to, to figure out what it means to deliver food in a completely different way. 
Uh, how do restaurants act when they're in these spaces? It's completely different than brick and mortar experience in the space, giving a spot where you want to go socially to clank some glasses together. Um, but it's really being where the, the consumer wants the food and being able to deliver it in an experience that, that um, not only is convenient, but also respects the quality and care that they're looking for. Um, so I would say, you know, yes, the trend is in the States. We actually opened our doors not too far behind um, when they did in the States. Uh, the only difference is um, just approach. Um, we're focusing down on what it means to, to truly care for the customer um, and not necessarily expanding really, really quickly. And then from there, taking that idea and, and putting it everywhere once we know that we've actually respected the customer and given them that really unbelievable experience. So perhaps we can uh, touch a little bit on what makes you different from some of the others uh, that exist. Um, and I know you're more of a kitchen hall experience, so it's not just you know one item that you're ordering. You're, you're ordering a, a whole range of, of different menu options. So let's touch a little bit on that. And then I, I want to also touch on, I think what Adam was saying earlier, or, or and I can't remember who it was, about your location being more driven in neighborhoods as opposed to downtown cores? Because I think that's really kind of uh, not only crucial, but, but interesting in, in the approach being so different. So let's talk about that a bit. Um, so I think, you know, what, there are a few key things that make us different. So we, we talk, we've been talking a lot about how the consumer needed a different product that was closer to home. And so that drives the real estate, real estate strategy to be closer to the home. Um, it doesn't mean we need to be on the best corner, uh, but it does mean we need to be in an accessible place that you can quickly come up and, you know, pick up your takeout. You can be in and out in one and a half minutes. Um, or if you want to order delivery uh, because you're stuck at home or whatever reason you, you do, it's it's at your door within 30 minutes. So, you know, that drives a lot of the thinking. And I think that that is something that separates us a little bit. The other The other piece on that is, uh, we believe in, in the full ecosystem. So it's about empowering restaurants to be able to serve the customer an unbelievable product because that's what restaurants do. They, restaurants get into this business not necessarily just because they want to make money. They get in this business because they're passionate about serving customers something great. Uh, and we, we've spun up a business and a model that helps them to do that. As part of that, that means working as well um, you know, with these third-party app companies, which a lot of um, which there's been, you know, there's a ton of perspectives on, but we believe they're a key integral part to this market. People are turning to DoorDash and Uber Eats and Skip the Dishes. Um, increasingly, you've seen that over the pandemic. Uh, and we view them and work with our restaurants to view them as a partner in serving the consumer. Uh, and so that's a big, big part because all of our systems, they're all integrated. If you order from Kitchen Hub, you can walk up and see on the screen, no matter where you place that order, whether it was direct with the restaurant, whether it was kitchenhub.com, whether it was one of the apps, uh, you will see that order on the screen in front of, in front of our, our locations. And that's something that is very unique to us. So our tech stack to power this unbelievable takeout is something that's uh, quite unique actually in the industry. I'm actually surprised, Oren, that you didn't uh, go to the, the number one thing that differentiates us um, because it's, frankly, his idea. It's, it's, um, it's actually giving the chefs the opportunity to put their chefs in the space. And that's something that not every ghost kitchen uh, virtual food hall facility does. Um, it's, it's 
Chef Nui's um, staff are in the kitchen actually cooking and they've been trained for years by her to produce that, that, that food. So when you are at a kitchen hub, you're actually experiencing Chef Nui just closer to your home and in all the ways that Oren just explained. Yeah. So it's, it's one of the chefs that she's trained you're talking about. Yeah. They're not, they're, they're not employed by us. That's, that's right. really um, uh, that's a key different. factor. And it's something that Oren growing up in the, the restaurant industry was very passionate about. It's that, you know, me coming up, not from the restaurant industry. I was like, yeah, cooking, it's easy. You'll just do it. You'll do it. Right. He's like, no, full stop. We don't cook. The chefs cook. They're the ones that know how to do this. They're the one that are providing that experience. And so we do have that hard line of, we are not the ones that are cooking. It's actually their chefs that they bring into our space and they cook. That's great. That's, that's a key differentiator, like you said. Um, and how many um, employees do you have? I know you talked about the, the tech infrastructure has to be huge for this, but how many employees do you, um, do you, um, do you have in your operation? I think that it's a it's it's important to to zoom out, and it's something that we're we're extremely passionate about is is the the ability to provide um, jobs that people want and a facility and and a space that people actually want to work in, and we've actually seen it in our facilities where um, chefs will actually stay with us despite brands turning over. So they'll go to the new brand because we've actually created a facility that respects them as people. Um, it gives them space to eat, a locker to put their space. We've launched Project Happiness, which is uh, us trying to come up with different ways to connect them with the end consumer, whether it's posting Instagram posts or reviews from the night before, things like that. Um, and again, it's something that we're taking that holistic view on what it means to do takeout. It's all the way down to not our employees, but actually the restaurant's employees. So with this ecosystem that we've done, it's employing hundreds of people um, all the way down to the chefs, to the people who are delivering food and all that stuff. So um, that's something that we're super proud of. And during the pandemic, when, when people are looking for, for jobs that are meaningful, um, it's really fun to see that people are returning to our facilities, uh, you know, regardless of brand or, or even leaving our facility, joining a new company and then recommending back to uh, that new company to join Kitchen Hub. So uh, we've seen that a number of times, and that's something that we're really proud of. That's interesting. And in terms of the locations now, how many do you have? So we have three that are are um, that are up. We're actually launching our third um, next week. We're getting handover. Cross our fingers. COVID, uh, <laughs> yeah, COVID rules accepted. Um, and uh, the the approach that we've taken there, like Warren said, is to is to make sure that we're able to deliver that unbelievable experience. And, and have that wow factor when all of a sudden pie is available in a new area of the city. Um, and we're taking that approach um, and making our restaurant partners available to people across the city, across Canada, uh, and hopefully beyond. So are the locations for now, are they all in Toronto? All the locations are, are in Toronto now. So you've got, we've got a location in, on the west side of Toronto in Etobicoke. We've got one uh, in on the east side of downtown on Parliament Street, and the one that we're opening up uh, next week or the week after hopefully, um, is uh, is in Midtown Toronto uh, near the Design District. And actually, one thing that's really exciting about this new location is this is the flag flagship location that we set out to build originally. Um, Our first locations are incredible food halls. Um, there's there's smaller format in nature. So three to five restaurants. This will be 13 restaurants. Wow. Big frontage, 
great, easy, accessible parking, a great place to come and, and pick up takeout, something that you've, we've, you know, Canada has never seen before. So very excited to, to, you know, bring that to market and bring that to the people of Midtown. So with your locations, if I'm not living in that specific location, can I still call and have it delivered uh, within the GTA or how does that work? Yeah, so uh, in, in terms of where you can order from, typically it's, you know, around a five to eight kilometer radius from the location, depending on, on the location and depending on the app you order. If you order from kitchenapp.com, we we're serving between five and eight. Uh, a little smaller downtown, a little bit bigger as you go outside of the city. And that's really just due to traffic patterns. So um, we can actually serve in this new location upwards of a million people. So it's wow. a pretty, pretty big chunk of, of Toronto that can order from, from kitchenhub.com. And Roseanne, if we, uh, if we uh, served you Chef Barry or Chef Nui or one of our restaurant partners food beyond that, that time, we'd be doing a huge disservice. Of course. Food, Food degrades, and that's that. Genuinely, that's the opportunity that we're putting out there: is that you don't want food delivered across vast uh, areas. You actually want to have these facilities where you can cater to the people in the area and service them in a way where you're giving them that unbelievable experience. Yeah, and so as as we know, don't travel very well, obviously. So no. One of the things I should highlight is that we've really designed around the pickup experience. So um, whether it's pickup. For the driver who can get in and out quickly or pick up for the customer who might need a little more handhold and who might want to place an order on site um, we've got kiosks there um, it's a really incredible experience to come and pick up from us because you're in and out in two minutes and the the experience is designed around you so you're not waiting you're not parking for four blocks down the road you're not walking through minus 27 degree temperatures uh, you're not waiting too long and you're not waiting through, you know, a whole restaurant just to go pick up your bag. You're, you're, you walk right in, you park, you walk right in, you're in and out. So it's interesting. So you can do that. You can offer that pickup, as you said, instead of ordering ahead of time. Um, do you have a breakdown of how many people do which, like how, how many people would actually order takeout through your system compared to one of the aggregates or come in and, and pick up that way? So We've designed around the takeout experience, and so we're close to the home. Uh, and with that, uh, we we believe we'll be somewhere at a 50-50. Uh, today, you're seeing a little bit less of that in some of our other locations because of the way those locations are designed. Uh, mm -hmm. The model going forward, for sure, is is all around takeout. We want to support support the delivery customer as well. So we actually have separate doors for the driver and for the customer because of their different needs. Like they're, they're served in separate areas of the facility. Drivers need a lot more expediency. Right. They just wanna be in and out and they wanna get the food to the customer really quickly. Um, and the customer may have some different needs. They may have some questions. Um, you know, what is this place, for example, right? Um, and oh my gosh, uh, Impact Kitchen is here now. Yes, Impact Kitchen is here now. Uh, so so you know, we put a lot of focus to that and, and, and one thing that is prevalent in the market is that people do pick up at a, 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 a very large rate. It's, I don't have the most recent stats, but before the pandemic, that was much bigger than delivery. Interesting. All right. And let's talk a little bit about the brands that you have as part of Kitchen Hub. Uh, you've got some interesting concepts there. Let's uh, tell us about what, uh, what brands you represent. 
When it comes to brands, what we're looking for is, is um, established brands that deliver good quality food. Um, and that's pie, that's, um, that's piano, piano, cumin, impact kitchen, uh, Gusto 101, Chubby's. Uh, it's all people that are known for that quality and that really great experience. And now it's time to focus on getting that out to the consumer. Um, and not just in their in their restaurant, it's beyond the restaurant. How do you get that that experience in the home where again, it's become the most important spot. Uh, when we look at the facility and who we put into given given areas, not every restaurant is made for every area and not every area is made for every restaurant. And so we spend a lot of time thinking about who are those 13 people, who are those 13 restaurants going to be in this area? What do the people want? What's missing from, from the area? What are the apps telling us is, is the, most, uh, the most ordered items? Uh, we're really taking a holistic look at the industry, the area, the data, everything, to ensure that when we invite a restaurant partner into our space, they're actually going to be successful because the demand is there and that's what people want in that area. So we work really, really hard to partner with great brands. And in turn, we create a true partnership. We're the front of house. We're dealing with our customers. We're going face to face. We like to understand what their definition of hospitality means so that we're, um, we're emanating that forward when someone comes in and has that experience. Um, and we're trying to make them more successful in the space. Oren and the team that he's built, um, they work really hard with the restaurants uh, to support them on their operations, making them more efficient uh, with marketing, with tech, with everything. So when you come into our space, we really wrap our arms around you to try to make you more successful. So that's interesting. And is there a threshold for how many brands or partners you want to have under this kitchen hall experience? I mean, do is there room for more or do you want to cap it at a certain number and focus only on those key players? So we're limited by our real estate. You know, we're not a tech platform where we can just sign up anybody, anywhere, anytime. Right. Um, but that being said, uh, I don't think that there's a limit because we take that curative approach to each location. Um, the same 13 that are at Castlefield um, and Dufferin may not be the same that we bring to another facility somewhere else in Toronto, either because it's not appropriate or the demand's not there or that type of cuisine's already saturated in the area. And we don't feel like we would do that brand justice by bringing them to that space. Um, so again, it's, it's on us to, to really partner with that restaurant and make them more successful. And the only way to do that is for us to really, truly understand where we're building, how we're building it and what's actually needed. So, um, in terms of expansion, what do you see in, in the, in the cards for yourself? Do you see this concept, uh, being replicated elsewhere in Canada, or do you want to just focus on Toronto? Yeah, no, our aspirations are, 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 are big. Um, we're, we're looking to, to not just make that takeout experience great for Toronto consumers. That, that story resonates everywhere. Um, that's not just a Toronto-centric problem. That's an everywhere problem. Uh, people have, have taken on uh, takeout and learned how to cook with their phones across the country. And we're looking to service people and give them the experience that they're looking for. Um, and it's building that infrastructure to support the different approach to food that frankly, the four walls of a restaurant just weren't built for. 
Okay, so we, we can look forward to other units in, in other places across the country over the next few years. That sounds pretty exciting. Um, you mentioned the word partnership a lot, and you know the brands that you're working with are part of a partnership. How does that partnership work? Um, you know, I, I know a lot of other ghost kitchens, they don't have the same approach as you where they, you know, you, you don't have the same chefs that work in the restaurant working in your establishment. They may buy the recipes and then produce that, you know, on site. Um, what's, what's your partnership like and what do you provide these brands and what do they need to do? So if I'm a restaurant brand that maybe wants to enter into a relationship with you, what would I expect that I would need to do? So uh, as, as Adam actually mentioned earlier, it comes down to our key dif- one of our key differentiators, right? Uh, which is uh, we have a facility where restaurants get their own space. They bring in their own staff, their own recipes, their own food. We don't touch any of that um, and they cook. So with that, restaurants are actually setting up a new location within a kitchen hub and kitchen hub acts as their front of house. So we're helping them to get the food out. We're helping them with customer service. We're providing services all around how to be great at takeout and how to be great digitally. Uh, and um, they're focusing on what they do best, which is which is cook incredible food, uh, make sure it's getting into the right packaging, make sure it's, it's packaged properly, it's accurate and all of that. Uh, and so, you know, that's kind of how the partnership breaks down from a operating level. Uh, and, uh, the biggest piece for us is finding finding restaurants who align with what we're setting out to do, which is create that unbelievable experience, which means you know, being consistent, putting care into that package, um, uh, you know, adding to the uh, needs of the area because there's a missing cuisine type or it's just a highly sought after brand in that area. Uh, and um, ultimately also, being able to provide convenience to the consumer. So being, being quick and uh, efficient at what they do. At the end of the day, it's, it's one sentence. Their success is our success. So we're integrated with them. We're their front of house. They're, their back, they're the back of house and we need to make the whole machine work. And you can't do that if the two sides aren't talking and if you're not aligned on the ultimate vision of the consumer is what matters, delivering that, that experience matters and taking a different approach and a different view on how to do that matters a lot. Does the relationship work along the same lines as a franchise relationship where they're paying fees to you uh, or getting a cut from their sales? How does that part work? Yeah, the, the, what, what it comes down to is we're creating that platform that, that allows them to go to all these different areas. And it's not, like you said, it's not just Toronto, it's taking it and potentially bringing pie out to Vancouver or bringing pie somewhere else or bringing piano piano somewhere else. And um, in order to align on, on, on that, um, that, uh, that vision with the partners, we economically were tied. Um, it's not standard in any way. It's a special relationship that we structure alongside them. Um, it's something that, uh, that they really enjoy because it allows them to launch spaces really quickly. Um, and service their customers in a way that they couldn't before if we didn't build the infrastructure and provide those services in the space. Getting down to a little more brass tacks on it, um, we've re-engineered the economic model when it comes to takeout and delivery. Um, And that's so that they can incorporate the third-party delivery fees uh, and they can incorporate working with us um, on the real estate and services side. Uh, And at the end of the day, 
the average restaurant in the country is earning somewhere around 8%. Uh, I think that that's, that's, that is actually the average top quartile restaurant is earning around 8%. Uh, we're giving them the opportunity to double that. Interesting. Um, have you had, um, I guess, what has made you successful in getting those brands? What's the key hook for them? Is it uh, the fact that they're not dealing with the technology and the delivery component? Um, what is it for them that they're looking at specifically, other than being introduced to a different neighborhood, perhaps? I, I actually think it's the alignment on the on the vision. It's the vision of our, we've heard time and time again, and it's on all sides, that the consumer just wants to have a better experience outside of their restaurant. Um, and it's why Jeff and we get out of bed every single day. It's to give you that, you, you, go, you go to pie for that experience. You go because it's really special. And, you know, doing take on and delivery outside, of, off the side of a table, instead of it being the main focus, really hinders that experience. And you really don't want to show your consumer that type of ex experience at home. And so aligning on that and creating the platform um, to allow them to go and do that is incredibly important. Um, and that's where we align. And then, by the way, we, the economics line up and the partnership lines up and we're, you know, we're passionate about what we do and they're passionate about what they do. And so we meet on all these different levels, but at the end of the day, what we all agree on is giving that consumer what they actually want. So during the pandemic, um, the market, the food service industry has really changed wholeheartedly. I mean, you know, nobody could have imagined the changes that we would have seen, but takeout and delivery has become much more important through the pandemic because we're all hibernating for long periods of time now. Um, how do you feel that ghost, ghost kitchens have changed the takeout industry in Canada? And uh, I mean, I know there are some critics of ghost kitchens that say that, you know, it's taken the personality out of dining because it's become, you know, we can't have that experience of dining in a restaurant as much anymore, where, you know, the experience becomes more important sometimes than even the food. How do you think ghost kitchens and, and your own concept specifically has changed the takeout industry? And I'll start with our mission, uh, which is to create unbelievable experiences. The, the thing that we're working very hard to do is to reimagine that experience at home because home is so important. Um, and, and I think that's what you're seeing with the emergence of ghost kitchens. It's getting closer to the consumer. And what naturally comes out of that is a consumer saying, okay, I want better takeout. I'm, I can't go dine in right now. We're not trying to replace the dining experience by any means. There's something special in the restaurant dining room. You know, you're going to clink your glass, you're going to, um, have laughs with your friends and that's not going to change, but why shouldn't you expect that at home? And that's what we're out to do is change that, change that, that expect, expect, expectation. We want people to expect an unbelievable experience. We want to blow them away when we're delivering on that. And, um, and that's where, what it really comes down to. So yeah, in some ways you, it feels like that, that personality was taken, taken out of it in the beginning. But as innovation comes through and we find different ways to service the customer in a way that they couldn't uh, imagine just a couple of years ago or even, even you know, right now from, from many restaurants, uh, the goal for us is give them that experience at home. We think about, we think we do an exercise, you know, sponsored by Adam and is it's a, 
what is an 11 star takedown experience? Forget about five stars. Five stars is great. If we do five stars, people will be happy, but we're not going to blow them away. What is 11 stars? And it takes you down this path of amazing things. And so all of us have our, what of our 11 star takeout experience would do. And that's meant to inspire us to think about things that uh, might drive down to reality. So, you know, when you think about it that way, we're really aiming to, to blow the customer away. And uh, you're going to see some really fun and interesting things come out of us as we think about these, uh, what it means to actually blow away the customer. So you're working on these different uh, different features as we speak. Uh, oh yeah, oh yeah. Our 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 entire mission for 2022 is creating unbelievable. Okay. Um, do you worry that this concept will have the legs to take it forward once the pandemic is over? I mean, right now we're all in this hibernation mode, especially during the winter where we're you know, at home and we wanna order foods because we're sick of cooking at home and what have you. But once, and hopefully we return to normal at some point, <laughs> once we do return to normal, do you worry that maybe this concept would start to peter out because people want to get back into the restaurants? It's, it's a great question and we get asked it all the time. Uh, the, we started this company before the pandemic. It was something that the consumer was voting with their phone and their money uh, well before the pandemic was ever a thing, before we knew what COVID-19 COVID was. Um, and so it's just something that has accelerated over the last couple of years and got us to a place that really we didn't think that we were going to be for the first X amount of years. Um, and if you look at the way that other countries are opening up and what the trend has been there, what you've seen is maybe a slight decline because everybody just wants to get out and stretch their legs and see people that they haven't seen for a couple of years and, and, and enjoy company because that's what social beings do. And by the way, that, that's something that we encourage our brands to have as a brick and mortar experience because it lends itself when someone's at home and they're like, oh, I had that amazing experience when the pandemic came out and we went to, we went to Cabanos and we had those burgers and it was incredible. And we got to sit in the park and eat them. And, and, and now all of a sudden I'm at home and I'm thinking about that burger and that's, that's what I'm getting. But you see that rebound come back because we are very busy people. And one of the biggest aspects of delivery and why it took off even before the pandemic was because of convenience. Um, it's a convenience factor to be able to come home after a long day of work and not worry about cooking, uh, not have to make that decision of what to cook, not have to run to the grocery store with your kids and, uh, you know, drag them along as they're pointing to sugary cereals and you're trying to grab bananas and that whole experience. So um, really what we're trying to do is, is make sure that we're future proofing ourselves. And again, it's because when you order from us, you are getting quality you're getting convenience, you're getting all those things that you actually expect from the restaurant in the restaurant, as opposed to the doggy bag that sometimes you get when, when you do delivery today. Right. So um, as part of that takeout experience, you know, we hear a lot about sustainability. And I think over the last few years, well, before the pandemic, I think the industry was, you know, taking great strides to to get more sustainable in, in every aspect of their business. And then through the pandemic, People started ordering in a lot and you started to see kind of a lessening of that sustainability question where 
you know, we start to see again, you know, a lot of um, disposables and, you know, throwing out all this material after the meal. Do you think, um, I mean, not so much do you think, what have you done, I guess, to, to eliminate that concern with having too many throwaways and, and the whole sustainability issue around takeout? Uh, I've, I've got two, two answers to this. The first one is uh, focus on removing packaging and uh, compostable packaging where possible. So a lot of our restaurants are already doing this and uh, feel passionately about it. The other one is uh, we've instituted a waste diversion program. And so we work 80 over, over I think it's 88% of our waste is actually diverted from the landfill. So it's going to reusable, it's going to actual organic farms to be composted properly. Uh, it's being properly recycled. Things that you know we, we all think happen behind closed doors but are not common in the industry. And that's, that's one of the commitments that we've made is uh, we're going to go that extra mile to do that because quite frankly, there's a lot of waste that happens within a facility and within, within the restaurant. And that's something that we have a lot of control over. Uh, going forward, we have uh, a lot of focus on trying to find ways to improve the packaging, to improve the model so that maybe we can do reusable, right? It's, we have, we have drivers coming in and out of the facility all day. They go to the customer. Why can't they pick up some reusable containers and bring them back, right? So there, there are things that are emerging right now that we are going to be you know, some of the first to test and pilot because it, for us, it's really important that we know we're putting out a, a, takeout, a takeout package. Uh, how, can we, how can we find ways to... Uh, to to improve the entire industry, not just our own our own place, when it comes to sustainability, you can't you can't say that you're focusing on the consumer and then hand them something that destroys their environment. So, um, pretty pretty focused on trying to change that. And how about the whole area of labor? I mean, I think um, you know the last two years we've seen the great resignation, and so many people have left the industry, and there's so many shortages going on in the industry these days that it's making. Uh, you know, the operational part of this business really tough where a lot of restaurants are, you know, reducing their hours of operation because they just can't produce without the, la uh, the labor that's needed. Are you finding um, that the case to be at your, at your business? And, and what are you doing to work around this big challenge? Uh, you know, we have one really great, we have several really great examples, but one that just recently happened where uh, a staff member that was working at our first location for one of the restaurants had left that restaurant, uh, went to another restaurant and told that restaurant that they should join Kitchen Hub. And it was because she loved working at Kitchen Hub. And she had worked at all other kinds of restaurants in the industry for a long time. But Kitchen Hub is really creating a special place to work for our restaurant partner staff. Um, it's, it's a community, it's a great facility. They've got all their needs there. They've got a break room. Uh, and so, you know, even that level of, of thought helps Kitchen Hub and the restaurants we partner with from a labor perspective. Uh, the other the other piece on it, and I, you know, there's this great article that I read uh, by a famous Toronto chef recently, where he talked about how uh, he treats his restaurant staff in, in an incredible way. You know, uh, it's it's caring for them, it's providing a great environment, it's all of these things that 
a lot of us come to expect in our work that wasn't prevalent in the restaurant industry before. So restaurant tours are now starting to change their practices. And those practices are bringing people back because the restaurant industry is great. People love, you know, there are a lot of people who love working in the kitchen, love putting out that product to the consumer, love seeing their smiling face or hearing about it through a review. And, uh, and for us, it's helping to promote that through our facility and through working with our restaurant partners to make sure that um, we're adding to that new wave of how to manage a restaurant and how to bring people into this incredible industry. So are you optimistic that uh, the industry can get through this huge challenge? I know it's, it's hurting so many operators. Um, are you optimistic that the industry can change to bring some of those people back? I personally have no doubt in the restaurant industry to be super resilient. I think it's one of the most resilient industries and one of the first that has ever existed. Um, cooking is tough. A lot of people don't want to do it and they want other people to do it for them. And so <laughs> when the consumer's there, um, the, the industry will find ways. And, you know, it's always been, restaurants have always been at the forefront of technology and the forefront of innovation. Uh, and this is just an, yet another area where uh, restaurants are going to learn to innovate and you know, find ways, whether it's through, um, you know, bring, making a better environment for staff and, uh, and helping them that way. It's also through the automation that's coming through, right? So robotics and all of that will come and it'll help as well. Um. Yeah, I mean, that's obviously an area of growth looking down the road. Um, and, and with delivery, I mean, uh, your focus is so much on delivery and the third party um, aggregates. Um, I know as someone who's worked at DoorDash, you probably have great knowledge of that whole area. There's been so much controversy, I guess, over the last two years with third party delivery and what it's doing to the industry. And, and especially at the beginning of the pandemic, there was so much hype about the delivery charges how do you work with that? And, and as someone who's worked at the other end of that, how are you um, using this aggregate uh, model to your benefit? It, so working in the industry, you see that consumers were turning to this. I was growing at 80% in the five years before the pandemic. Uh, and uh, so consumers are there. They want the product. And the industry just wasn't prepared for it. Uh, it's, you know, it's, it is one of the major reasons why I jumped to, to you know, help create Kitchen Hub. Because that's a, and that was a big opportunity staring us down. Uh, and so finding a way to work with these third-party apps as a partner, because that's what they are. They're, they're coming out there. They're not trying to destroy the industry. They're just trying to give the consumer what they want. And, and actually, all of them have been founded to help restaurants. Right, give them a new channel to reach mm -hmm. people who could want their food. So growing the growing the entire pie, and so you know it's working with them and then creating a model where you can ingest the cost of of delivery. Whether you do it yourself or you do it with a third party, it's going to cost. Delivery is expensive, and that's right. why there were very few restaurants delivering prior to 2013. You you know you had you had all pizza and some Chinese, and that was about it. Right. So everybody's delivering. And it's just a new cost that we had to figure out how to insert. Uh, and you know, Kitchen Hub's helping restaurants to do that. Uh, and rest, some restaurants are, you know, they're figuring it out on, on their own. So I, it's not going anywhere. Uh, and I, the, the cost, I've seen the model. Uh, it's not, they're not making money hand over fist. It's not like there's, you know, a huge profit margin in it. It's a scale play. 
And so we, as the restaurant industry, have to find ways to work them in or, or choose, choose the other route, which is, okay, if you can't, if you don't do delivery or want to do it yourself, um, focus on the experience on dining and dining will come back. Do you worry that the customer now belongs to that third-party app as opposed to you? I mean, that seems to be a line that I hear a lot from operators that, you know, who does the customer belong to in this kind of new marketplace? It's, it's a very complicated answer. Um, and it's something that we're actively working ourselves on and with our partners to change how that works. Uh, whether you're a consumer that orders through the apps or through the restaurant itself or through our, our platform, uh, we're treating everybody the same way. We're making sure that everybody has that same experience that it gets, gets delivered in the exact same way. Um, and, and the one thing that differentiates us versus working with the apps or any other partner for that matter is we're sharing that data with the restaurants. So we, we've built, um, you know, Fiona and our team, who's done an incredible job building out um, a, an aggregator of data, a data warehouse. Uh, where we collect all that information to the best of our ability and we share that with the restaurants. We give them new dashboards that allow them to actually understand where they are, what things are selling, how they're performing, uh, who their customer is. If, if it's on our platform, we're handing that right back to them so that they can also uh, market to them and own that customer in a way that they couldn't before. Um, and, and it truly is because running a restaurant is one of the most complicated things that you could possibly do. You wear every single hat. You, you're, and ultimately you're 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 trying to deliver this in, incredible experience in the space, and then to add delivery on top of that, and then worry about data and digital marketing and how do you Huge. do this and that. It's like five different businesses in one. So, by partnering with us and building out on our platform and making that food available everywhere, we're the ones that are taking on and helping restaurants understand what it means to look at that data, and we're not just feeding it in and saying, here you go, now go do something with it. We're actually giving them the tools and making the introductions to different tech partners and third party uh, people in the industry that are also looking to help restaurants connect with their consumers in a different way. Uh, we're super cognizant of that and we're actively trying to make that experience better for everybody. So in terms of that data, um, do you find, it must be very um, you know, interesting to look at that and what it reveals. Um, does it find that there's more younger demographic taking advantage of this as opposed to the older demographic? Do you, you must have a lot of information on that. And I would assume it is much more young or young families. Um, would that be the case? Yeah, I think that that's, that's the case with most pieces of technology. They're definitely the early adopters and they're the ones that are kind of to adopt it at mass. Um, but again, what the pandemic's done is it's, made the phone a cooking utensil for everybody. Um, before the pandemic, uh, my mom would probably order in once a month. Uh, and now she's ordering in once or twice a week. And that's not going to change because all of a sudden she's getting these great experiences from restaurants who are focusing down on what it means for her to consume that at home. And she's not going to go away from that. Um, there's 35 meal times in a, in a week. Restaurants were not satisfying 35 of those for everybody all the time. Okay. And um, they're still going to have the same opportunity to, to tackle those mealtimes because at home, when you're, when you're cooking with your phone, it's a different decision point. It's not, am I going to go out tonight? It's, am I going to cook, you know, look in your fridge. There's 50 different things. Can I combine this into an interesting meal for my kids? 
or can I just pick up my phone and can I order? So it's a different decision point and it's not something that necessarily competes with the restaurants. Um, and so it's, again, a great opportunity for them to, to capture a moment that they wouldn't have been able to, to be able to out of their brick and mortar locations. That makes sense, totally. So in terms of looking back over the last few years since you started the concept, what do you think have been some of your biggest challenges that you've had to deal with? The pandemic. Oh, well, yeah, that's everybody's <laughs> big challenge. Not well, going I, away. The, 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 the biggest thing is, is something that we've hit on a couple of times. It's how do you get people thinking about an industry completely differently? Um, it's, it's not the same thing. It's not Maine and Maine and getting a, a beautiful location and creating the design. And it's figuring out what does my website look like? What's the experience when someone clicks on a link? Is it broken? Am I showing up on their phone when they go and, and, and uh, look for delivery? Um, am I doing... Uh, paid marketing on the apps am I doing it's just like we said it's a completely different business and so to get everybody's mind into okay you need to treat this differently and it's not just something where you sign up for the apps and it happens and it does do it that way for some people but uh, you actually need to work at it and there's there's things that you can do that will make you better at it and we're here for that and we're here and we're building that so getting that that adoption and and, and teaching people how to do that um, we're actively participating in podcasts like yours to get out to, to people and explain what we're doing because we're really trying to change the perception of what it means to do takeover. Interesting. Did you want to add anything to that, Oren? Yeah, I think it's, uh, aside from pandemic and figuring this all out, it's, you know, what does the consumer want, right? And uh, what are they getting? And that's a really big part of what we're doing because we we all three years ago looked at this and said okay big growth area uh not getting great experience all the time uh but what is what does make a great experience and you know we've spent a ton of time to figure that out and it comes down to things like you know using the data to re-engineer a menu and we had a restaurant come in that came straight from dine-in put their dine-in menu up on uh, kitchenhub.com uh, they were a chicken restaurant they didn't sell any chicken uh, seriously, you know, for like a month and a half, there was like chicken was not in their top 10. And so, you know, that wow. type of thinking, like looking at it and saying, well, what's the consumer experiencing digitally? How do they see that menu digitally? And realizing, oh, this restaurant was made for small plates and sharing, yet now they have to show up at, at the door. And so what does that look like on the screen? And how do we re-engineer that? Within a week of making a change of their restaurant, it became, chicken became the number one ordered item. Are you serious? Yeah. Wow. Seriously, seriously. Uh, and it's that kind of, it's that kind of, kind of thing that like, these are challenges that come up all the time that we, we are faced with. And we've got some very incredible minds that are looking at this stuff every day and figuring out ways to make the restaurant better. Sounds very exciting. And it sounds like there's a huge amount of potential to go in so many different directions. I think in a way, it's a little overwhelming, just uh, the amount of choice that's out there these days, right? You got to just get comfortable in it. <laughs> and, and you know what? Um, uh, that part of the reason why KitchenHub.com is there, that you only have to go to KitchenHub.com. We've covered the gamut of great restaurants. So you know if you come to KitchenHub.com, you're going to get something great. And whether it's you know Thai food or burgers or a really healthy bowl, like we've got you covered. 
Yeah. Well, it's great for a family to be able to have that kind of choice where they're not limited by going to one restaurant where it's only one product that's being sold. So, so that's pretty cool. Um, and I know as much as we all hate talking about the pandemic because we've lived through it for the last two years, I think the pandemic has kind of given us all a pause to think about our lives, personal and professional lives, and, and perhaps to do things a little differently. What do you think have been some of the biggest lessons you've learned through the pandemic in, in terms of either your personal life or your professional life or both? Because um, I think you can't walk away from the pandemic without having learned at least one thing. Uh, I have one uh, really big lesson that I've learned through Kitchen Hub and the pandemic, which is, uh, and it's, it's, it's funny because I, I learned this from, from Adam, is um, look at the silver lining. What has it brought you that you wouldn't have otherwise had? How much more time did I get to spend with my kids? A heck of a lot more time. I'm way more involved in their life than I probably would have been if I was commuting uh, two hours every day. Uh, so, you know, and, and when it comes to, to the restaurant, uh, the silver lining is you take out before was growing really fast. Delivery was growing really fast. And a lot of restaurants saw it coming but we're focused on dine-in and didn't have an opportunity to really think of how do we do this well? And now you're forced to do it. And that's a great thing because coming out of the pandemic, we talked about restaurant, the restaurant industry and resiliency. Uh, they've learned a new muscle. They've, they've built a new muscle. Uh, and so, so that translates for the restaurant industry and for the consumer because the consumer now, you know, after this thing ends or, you know, it's endemic, people are saying it's endemic, so it's going to stay forever. But, after we get back to uh, the new normal, let's call it, uh, you're going to now have great dining experiences and way more great takeout experiences, and, and hopefully, you know, we're we're helping to to uh, push to push that on the takeout side. It is amazing to see the resiliency that's come out of this industry and how it's allowed people to turn to new areas that they would never ever have explored before. So, so totally get that. Adam, for you, what's been the biggest lesson? Mm -hmm. I think that Oren uh, said silver lining because the way that I, uh, the way that I, I describe the pandemic is drinking from a fire hose of rainbows, and <laughs> it's like because that. it's all, it's truly all the things that I love. It's just a lot of it, and sometimes in ways that you don't want it. Um, you know, a kid getting exposed, and all of a sudden you're at home and you're trying to work and do all these things, but. Um, it is taking a step back and realizing how incredible people are. Um, and it's, I, I found a lot of, um, a lot of, uh, I'm going to use awesomeness for about lack of a better word, but, but reading all these stories about people and how resilient they've been and how creative they've been in, in some pretty desperate times. Um, and I think that beyond the restaurant industry, what you're going to see is a lot of people that just come up with these really creative ideas that are going to get adopted and really change the way we live our lives day to day. Um, you're seeing it now with the metaverse and I don't even know what that is, but I know that it's going to come and change, change the way that we do a lot of things. So um, I'm just excited. I'm excited to get out of this, get back with our, with my family in a way that I'm not worried if someone's been exposed and can I give a hug? Can I do this? Um, exactly. And, and, and enjoy what people have built while they've been faced with some pretty big adversity. So um I guess silver lining is, uh, is the thing. <laughs> well, that's great. Um, totally makes sense. And I think we can all relate to that. I guess my last question as we wrap up 
is um, what advice would you offer restaurant operators, you know, struggling through this time and perhaps wanting to consider maybe doing a ghost kitchen or teaming up with a new concept like this? Is there any advice that you can offer? Uh, if I, if I put myself in a restaurant, in the restaurant shoes, I think the, the biggest thing that we've worked on with our restaurants and that we, we think about every day is, uh, takeout is different and you've got to bring a completely new mindset. It's not even the economic model. It's not the typical, okay, uh, 30 food costs, 30, 30 staff right. costs, you know, 10% occupancy. It's, it's just, uh, it's just different. And so you have to think about it from the ground up. Uh, and what that will propel you to do is come up with an awesome product and, and be successful. Yeah. It's not, well, it's not about great. being at the great corner. It's about being at the top of the phone. Great words to, uh, to end by. So um, I've really enjoyed our time this morning, just uh, talking about your exciting concept. And I really wish you well in, in your expansion efforts and taking this um, into new areas. And I'm, I have every confidence that you'll be able to do a great job with it. So Thank you for taking time out. I know it's been a it's a busy time for everybody, so I do appreciate it. Thank you, Rosanna. I'm looking forward to uh, to feeding you at one of our spots. That will be nice. One day. Take care and good luck, and uh, hope to see you soon. Thank you. Bye. All right. Bye-bye. Bye bye. We appreciate you joining us for this episode of the Table Talk Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, we'd love for you to rate and review our show. Also, make sure you never miss an episode by clicking the subscribe button. For additional resources related to today's episode, please visit our website, foodserviceandhospitality.com. Until next time.